Today we have Danny Shaw, who is the co-owner of Eat Sleep Rock, the producer of the Eat Sleep Rock Talk podcast, and also he owns Nashville Carpet Cleaning. Danny, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel bad that uh, I bailed on you last time. Oh, My basement dude. flooded. No, you're you're okay. You're 100% okay. I mean, that's, that's just honestly a part of, of doing this is, is shit happens. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I can make it this time. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you because I really love your mindset. It seems like you like very much are an entrepreneur and embrace that kind of lifestyle. That's the nice way to put it. Uh, some would say like a jack of all trades, but uh, but yeah, an entrepreneur is what I prefer, prefer. So how did that happen for you? Is this something that was kind of instilled in you by mentors or were you just naturally kind of had this mindset? Um, I mean, I did grow up around my dad. He, uh, he was always kind of entrepreneurial. He owned multiple uh, like rental properties and everything. So uh, I used to, you know, help him manage rental properties, like short-term rentals and stuff like that. In and, Vegas? Yeah, in Vegas. And, um, and when he was young, the reason I got into carpet cleaning was my dad actually owned a carpet cleaning business in his 20s. And so that's how I knew how to do it. So I definitely came from, you know, a, a background with that being a possibility. Yeah, of having freedom. Because yeah. that's really what it is, uh, because our, our mutual friend, Josh Norfleet, he always says uh, to me that you and I are kind of similar because we're pretty dead set on not really working for anyone else and just kind of doing our own thing. I would definitely agree with that. That's I tried to deny the entrepreneurial thing for a while. In fact, the first... Let's see, I moved here in 2014, 15, 16. I would say the first uh, three years that I was here... I I tried to just work regular jobs and everything and just be a college student and I eventually just got so sick of the the shit associated with all of that and I had no free time that I just I finally just, you know, for lack of a better term just kind of manned up and and just did it. So you were like going to school and doing all of that. Like what kind of jobs were you working when you first got here? So when I first got here, the first job I got was working at Arby's when I was going to MTSU. In Damn. Yeah. Respect, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, and I worked there for honestly over a year and then I got uh, promoted to a manager. I was making $11 an hour as a manager there. I was the youngest uh, manager. I was their night manager, and I was 19. So I was, like, managing people, like, double my age at Arby's while going to school uh, full-time. And I was just – I was killing myself, man. I was just working all the damn time and doing schoolwork, and I didn't have much of a social life. All my friends were going out and doing things all the time, and I was still broke, like all, like I would work 40 plus hours a week and I still never had a dime to my name and it sucked. It's a terrible feeling. Well, you start to question it once there's someone barking orders at you over the phone telling you what you need to do and they're at home with their feet up doing nothing. Exactly. You know, uh, and then you look at your bank account, you have $1.97 in there and you're fucking killing yourself to pay all your bills and you're like, wait a second, why am I doing this? Right. Yeah, 100%. And uh, one of the things that really kind of set me off was I remember when I got tired at Arby's of doing the whole, you know, working nights and going to school during the day. And I had only been a manager for, I, I was an employee for over a year. I was a manager for maybe four or five months. And I went to the district manager and I said, hey, I can't do this anymore this is, I'm not making enough money. I'm working all the time. I'm bending over backwards for you guys. Um, and he was like, what? You haven't been a manager for very long. We don't, we don't want you to leave. What can we do to make you stay? And I was like, pay me more money. And they wouldn't do it. Yeah. They're like, except for that. (laughs) Exactly. No. And I've been in situations like that with jobs too. Like there's even jobs that I've, I've liked where I've had to you have to put up a boundary when you have a job and if they can't respect 
those boundaries or pay you more than you have to walk. And it's just an ugly fact of life because there, there's jobs that I've left that I, I really did enjoy, but I wasn't making any money. And once I started setting out on my own and doing the Uber driver thing, doing that whole thing, uh, I was like, oh, I can determine how much I make every single week. Man, I have so much respect for Uber drivers. I just want to say that I did that for a little while too. I don't believe it or not because I I do run a business. I don't have the Uber driver discipline. I really don't. Really, it's, man. I would always say that I would go out and drive, and I would like plan my day around going out and driving that night, and I would just never do it. I, I'll be honest. I did it sometimes, but the amount of times that I did it versus the times that I said I was going to do it and just didn't, I was like, I learned very quickly. I was like, I don't have the discipline to do this. Yeah, no, it, it definitely takes some discipline for me. I had to figure out, okay, well, I don't really want to be a nighttime driver. Like I like having uh, my nights free for music stuff or podcast stuff, having a social life, all of that. And what I ended up doing was just deciding, okay, um, because for a while, when I first started, I was getting up at like 5, 6 a.m. and starting, and I would be done by noon. Oh, wow. Or before noon. um, And just decide what I wanted to make that day before I even got my car, like I'm going to make X amount today before I get out. But it's definitely a balance. Um, What I like about it is being able to drive anywhere in the city. Like I know Nashville very well. I don't need a, a GPS to get around at all now. That's saying something too. Yeah. Nashville can be tricky for sure. It can. Yeah. But it, it I, I can't imagine not living the way I'm living now. Like I, it, it's like, I mean, maybe you can relate to this. I don't know if I can ever go back to having a job, uh, like a job job. Now I, I could probably maybe to some degree, if it was the right situation, but now I understand the freedoms that I have and I'm not willing to sacrifice those for, for a nine to five. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I will, I would say 99.9% I will never work for anyone else again. Yeah. I'm almost certain it it would have to be kind of like you said, like opportunity of a lifetime type of thing. Yeah, and I've been thinking about that myself where I'm like, should I be trying to get a job as like a podcast producer? Because I could do that now. Like I've done that enough to know that I can do that professionally for some media company. But it would have to be A, a work from home job. I wouldn't want to have to go in somewhere. And they would have to pay me pretty well. Um, And I would have to have benefits and shit like that. Uh, Because there's definitely uh, a trade-off to working for yourself, though. Because you don't have the same securities that you have. Absolutely. But I'll also say on the other side of that, to play devil's advocate to my own statement, you don't ever really have security with a job. Like, there's very few jobs that you do actually have job security with. Someone could come in and buy the company and just decide that your position is obsolete. Or they have a robot that can do it, or they have a brother-in-law that they're trying to get in. So it, and it, I've been in situations like that too. I mean, I, I always try and reflect, okay, what is it that uh, potentially I could, I could, I am fucking up about this job. What can I do better? And it's like that with anything, right? Because someone can just swoop in right under you. It's like that with music, especially with fucking music. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it, it's a uh, a process of deconstruction of really trying to figure out what it is that you provide. You have to know your value. I completely agree. I think that um, I think really when you work for someone else that you're. I mean, I hate to use the word fate, but your your fate isn't really in your own hands. You know what I mean? Like kind of like you said, if, if a business owner decides to run their business differently or, um, honestly decide, I read something the other day that Elon Musk, like years ago, I, I could be messing up on the specifics of this, but, um, he gave like one of his top, uh, like managers, a 
two-week or month paid vacation or something like that. And then she came back and he fired her. And the reason he did that was because he realized he didn't need her. Damn, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? There, there is something to be said for being in Elon Musk's position and you realize, okay, this person has just been pulling the wool over my eyes the whole time. Sure. There's definitely that side of it too. Which is uncomfortable, but it's a, a cold, hard fact. Like you have to be able to look at things independently and decide if a business relationship is fruitful to you, which is, I think a lot of people in Nashville, from my experience, they're, they're almost too cutthroat about it. You know what I mean? I could agree with that. Um, cause I really do value in just straight up, like helping people, um, and trying to get the message out about whatever it is they're doing. Cause it's, it's rewarding to me. I agree. I say all the time uh, to other people who are trying to start businesses or people who want to start businesses or people who just ask me about my business that if you are greedy in the beginning and you're always worried about the money, that you're probably doing it wrong. That basically if you run a clean business that, um, you know, has good intentions and provides either a good product or service that the money will come naturally. And I say that all the time is that, um, that on, like I said, if on the front end you have a, a mentality that is to like either rip people off or to kind of, like you said, pull the wool over someone's eyes. Um, ultimately I believe that I believe in karma. Yeah. I believe in business karma. Yeah, absolutely. You know, karma in general, you have to have, ethics you know you like you have to have lines that you're not willing to cross because there have been times where i could screw someone like out of a gig or any of that shit any of the nashville bullshit that all of us hate that That we talk about yeah Yeah. it's it's real man um but you know what now uh as a person who's been here for six years i just chalk that up to it just being that's the way some people are and that's just the way they run their business and there's nothing i can do um to Uh, Like, I can't take it personally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's, you know, you just, you make it clear that you're not that and you separate from people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the problem that I had, and maybe I learned a lot of these lessons before I moved to Nashville because I was 23, about to be 24 when I moved here. I had some really, really awesome mentors growing up in Maine. Really? Yeah, yeah. like two pretty good music mentors in high school. One owned a studio, the other owned like a music school. Um, so that was great. And then I had uh, two guys, one that was like a business consultant and the other one that was a business owner. Oh, very cool. So I've always been very lucky to see people who were doing things from a young age. And even though I didn't want to be like a career salesman, it was so beneficial to have someone up my ass about making cold calls and sending emails and just like no excuses. Like I could have been on my deathbed and they, they would have been giving me shit. Yeah. Why didn't you go play that gig or why weren't you ready for the gig? Why didn't you send that email? Why didn't you follow up? Yada, yada, yada. And it's valuable for a young man, I think to have that. Um, and our culture now is really shifted in a way to where we look down upon that, but that's, that's just a way of the world. Young men are stupid. I was dumb as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I can relate heavily. I've made a lot of very dumb business decisions that I've learned from. Yes. Um, but I, you know, I'm better because of them. Oh, yeah. For sure. The, the number one kind of person I can't fuck with is someone who doesn't learn from their mistakes. Oh, yeah. yeah if you- it, Like, in a business sense, like, I can't fuck with them anymore, if, if I see them making the same mistakes over and over and over again and they're just belly aching and crying about everything, I can't do it. Right. That's the key right there. First of all, no one loves, no one likes a whiner, you know. No. But, uh, but yeah, if you're going to just repeat the same mistake, you unfortunately probably have no business being in business. Yeah. You should probably go work for someone else who's going to just give you a slap on the wrist and, you know tell you to keep going. Unfortunately, I don't think everyone is cut out for running a business. No, I, I think everyone can. Um, but there are some people who just, you know, they just want to clock in, they want to do their shit and then they want to clock out. I don't think there's anything wrong with that though. And I was actually having a conversation with someone recently about this without those people, 
there couldn't be the people who want to there there couldn't be the people who start businesses and grow their empire. You have to have people who want to follow. Yes. They're just as important. They are. Absolutely. I mean, do you ever feel envious of those people thinking, I I wish I could be that kind of person? Oh, uh, no, to be honest, not at all. I, uh, not to sound pompous, but I very much, um, I prefer my way of thinking. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> you know I, I know. I, mean? I just I have some friends who who feel that way, where they feel like uh, they wish they could be kind of almost ignorant to to living this kind of life that they don't even know that it exists because it would be mentally and emotionally a lot easier. Because there's a, a ton of stresses that come along with that, and I think the kind of person that is attracted to the kind of lifestyle we live. Um, you have to be a little bit crazy and you have to be a little bit of a dreamer. I agree with that. I think what it all comes down to ultimately is risk versus rewards. I think that there are a lot of people who are very much afraid of risk. Um, but I, I do believe, and I'm, I'm not saying this to insult people who are afraid of risk, but I think ultimately they, I mean, they may get lucky and they may get, you know, a job of their life, you know, of their lifetime that makes them very happy. But I think in life, if you're not willing to take, um, you know, somewhat big, but calculated risks, I think you will um, miss out on a lot of incredible opportunity. And that is something that I believe to my core. For sure. I I believe the same thing. Uh, I think it, 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 for me, it's really all about the risk. I find the risk very thrilling. I don't think I would want to do this, any of the things I'm doing, unless it was for the risk. I like the risk of, of failure and I like the opportunity. I always love to win. I, I, I'm obsessed with that, but uh, almost more thrilling, I think, is the chance that I might not win. Absolutely. Yeah, there's something my dad said to me recently. I, um, Not to go too much into details, but I'm making a very major business purchase at the end of this year, um, one to the tune of about $25,000 to grow my business. Yeah. And I was, my dad was in town, and I was talking to him about it, and he, it just so happened, it wasn't, he wasn't in town for that, but it just so happened he was in town uh, the day that I got the loan from the bank for that. And he was like, how do you feel? And I said, I'm nervous. And he looked at me and he said, if you weren't nervous, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. I mean, my dad's given me tons of wisdom throughout the years, but in that moment I was like, well, fuck, he's right. You know, like, what is some of the wisdom that your dad has given you that that you feel still sticks with you today? Did he have any sayings or anything like that that he would tell you? Um, there are definitely some sayings. One of the biggest ones is uh, establish and maintain a cash flow. He says <laughs> he, he says that to me on a regular basis. He's like, if your business isn't establishing and maintaining a cash flow, then you're going to fail. Um, but one of the things that inspired me about my dad is since he was a child, he always wanted to be a, an astronaut when he was a kid. That's what he wanted to do. Um, I will admit my dad is not an astronaut, but his second most, you know, profound goal was to be, if basically if he couldn't be an astronaut, he wanted to be an airline pilot. My dad's been an airline pilot for over 20 years. So, okay. So this is starting to make sense now, as far as you being like a disciplined person and now like having character and respecting others and all that shit. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, So I, I literally got to witness, um, you know, from the day that I was born, cause he was already an airline pilot when I was a kid, um, which made things a little complicated cause he was, you know, traveling a lot, yeah. but it always, I mean, and I tell him this till even when we, you know, sometimes we get into it cause we're both, you know, very independent people who have our own ideas. We don't always agree on everything by any means, but the one thing that's always stuck with me and given me a lot of respect for my dad is that he did it. He's, he, he was a carpet cleaner and, and used that to achieve his overall goals 
to achieve his dreams. And every day when he goes to work, he, he loves his job. To this day, he's almost 60. Is and, he still flying? Oh, yeah. He's probably on a flight right now. I don't know that for a fact, but yeah, he flies several times a month. I mean, he's cutting back a little bit um, as he's getting closer to retirement, but but yeah, he flies on a regular basis. He's a commercial captain in a in a Canada regional jet, is what it's called. Damn, was yeah. he uh, in the the military or anything like that before? He was no. not actually. Okay, no, he was just he used a carpet cleaning business to pay his way through flight school, and then just sold his business and became a pilot. Fuck. Yeah, I mean that's an American story right there. Dude. It is. It's truly American, and um, you know he used entrepreneurship to to get him where he wanted to. Now for him, having that career was ultimately what he wanted. Yes. Um, so I I I see myself taking a bit of a different path. Yeah. Um, you just want to be straight entrepreneur. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is there are times when I talk to my dad, and you know just naturally we talk a lot of business and he'll be like, Oh, so how's the business going? And I'm like, I did this and I did that. And he'll be like, well, hell you made more this week than I fucking did. Damn. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that must feel good. <laughs> it does feel good. But what it's, what's cool is it's kind of, he actually told me in retirement, he wants to start a business. And of course. He, yeah. And so seeing me do this, he's, he kind of brings it up pretty regular. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready for the next chapter of my life so I can be done with this and, and kind of do my own thing. I mean, he still loves flying, but well, it's given him uh, a newfound, uh, well, he, he's able to see you be successful when it's all shit that he taught you. Exactly. Which some of it is learned just on your own. Yeah. But with, the, with that, that ground level, like baseline of this, the shit he tried to instill in you. Yeah. And literally the business. Like, yeah. it, if it weren't for my dad teaching me carpet cleaning when I was a kid, um, I there's no way I would have a carpet cleaning business. In fact, he's the only reason I had a machine. Um, I was going to mention that, is that the only reason I started a carpet cleaning business here is when I moved to college, I had one of those, like, overhead storage containers on top of your car. And I remember the day that I was packing all my shit up to come here and he he came out. We they had he had like a small little uh, carpet machine that's like maybe the size of like an uh, like a half stack amplifier. And he rolled it out, and he was like, "Take this with you to Tennessee." And I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do with a carpet cleaner? I don't want to do that. I'm going to college." He knew. And he was like, "You never know. One day you might get fed up." with working for other people and you, you just never know, you might want to pick up some car, some carpet cleaning work. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. And he was like, just put it in there. You never know. That is honestly beautiful. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Full. It's like full circle type shit. Yeah. <laughs> so when you started doing it, how did he respond when you're like, dad, I'm going to start a, a carpet cleaning business. Was he like, yes. Uh, yeah, he, he was, he kind of, you know, told me a little bit what to do. And, um, honestly, what's cool is I've come further with it than he did. Like I own machines and more vans than he owned when he did it. So I, and I have more corporate accounts and like higher level, I'm doing higher level stuff than he was doing. Um, in fact, I mean, granted, it was the 1980s when he was doing it, but my business is worth, I would almost say, like, more than double what his business was worth as far as, like, just face value. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty proud of that, but I, I don't forget that, you know, if it wasn't for when I was a kid cleaning carpets in his, you know, in his rental houses, I wouldn't be where I am. Uh, how much did he pay you to do that? Would he give you uh, like five <laughs> bucks or some shit like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Some shit like that. Like like nothing half the time yeah. pretty much. But you know what? <laughs> what he was instilling wasn't about the money. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No, I used to watch him, you know, run his property business. Um, aside from, that was the other thing about my dad that, you know, I mentioned before is, even though he was a full-time pilot, he 
to this day, I always lose count. It's either seven or eight properties across the United States, which isn't a ton, but for someone who works full-time as a pilot, you know, that's, that's quite a lot of properties. And, uh, right now he's like looking to sell some of them and he's doing different things with them. But as a kid, I would say he always had like five or six rental properties that were like consistent people rented out. That was just like passive income for him. So you also witnessed him not only succeeding, but probably having issues when shit would arise and you would have to resolve problems as they were coming up all the time, bad tenants, shit like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing he must be, is he like a positive personality or uh, how would you describe him? Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely very positive. Um, he's very driven. I'll admit, even though he's not, uh, he doesn't have any military background, he can be kind of hardcore, like someone who is in the military. Yeah, totally. Um, he is not the kind of person who really takes no for an answer. And I used to, I'll be honest with you, I used to kind of resent him for that because I was, a, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, I was like wanting to smoke pot and, you know, do my own thing and shit like that. And he was just always very like, cut and dry like no yeah like you need to stay on the path you need to to grow up and and do this and um so we butted heads a lot but what's cool is as he's seen me you know be independent and you know do my own thing we've we've gotten really close I would say I talk to my dad several times a week that's awesome yeah yeah, it's good to have like my my dad was in in the navy for twenty years. Oh wow! And my my dad's not a hard ass at all. Um, like he's very he's very uh, very loving, but he knew how to just talk to me in the right way because I think he recognized at a young age for me that I was a hard ass. Really? Yeah. So uh, he really just instilled all of these things into me that he had learned from the military, like. I would say a big one even today is uh, do it right the first time so you don't have to go back and do it again. That's great advice. And, and he yeah. would just he would just say shit like that to me. Or And I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I apologize to people I've heard this before. But he always, when things got like hard or difficult or just normal life things would happen, he would just say, Bill's character. Bill's character. Yeah. And, um, you know, that I think that really stuck with me because somewhere along the way I used to be a, a very negative person in my teens late teens early 20s I was very upset with the world and of course you're upset with the world at that age you're, you're at the lowest fucking rung of the ladder and no one respects you right because you haven't yeah. done shit yeah totally <clears throat> but as time went on I taught myself how to become a morning person I taught myself how to become a person with a positive mindset because I knew I had to change in order to get the things that I wanted. And as the years have passed and you gain experience in life, you can start to look back. Like being 30 now, I can look back on my 20s and understand the mistakes I made, but I also know that there is still life in front of me to live. Totally. You know what I mean? Like now... um, there's just situations I know that I won't go back to or put myself in again because you can start to recognize them. Right. You start to get knee-deep in, the, in them again. Or for me, I honestly feel like I can smell a situation now before it, something even happens. Yeah, it's like your gut. Yeah, you know? Yeah. exactly. Which I think intuition is important. It's super important, but I've also learned uh, not to entirely rely on that. You gotta, you gotta read the context clues of the situation. Is this confirmation bias? Because I've been guilty of that too. Yeah, I agree with that. I have to deal with that in business all the time. Um, not every employee uh, is like past employees. Uh, not every client is like a past client. You have to take every situation as it comes. Uh, things that work for some people don't work for others. So. You know, there's a good balance between, um, you know, kind of figuring things out on a situation to situation basis and, you know, going with your gut instinct. I think you have to find that balance for sure. Yeah. 
I mean, you have to draw from those experiences, but you also have to look at what the situation for what it is, which um, it can be stressful. You know, it's there's a lot of unpleasant shit you have to deal with when you are trying to be an entrepreneur. And even the word entrepreneur, I think, really since the rise of social media has happened, uh, it's a word that I don't necessarily really like in the way that it's used now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, honestly. Because everybody says they're a fucking entrepreneur now and that they own a business. And there's a a lot of uh, even scam artists out there that are playing to that. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, for a long time, I didn't even recognize in myself that I wanted to be like a business owner or an entrepreneur or someone that was independent. Um, and it was the same thing with doing those sales jobs. Everybody always told me growing up, oh, you would be a great salesman. Oh, you would be a great salesman. And it was in one ear out the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't listen to it. I'm like, I don't want to be a fucking salesperson. But when you don't have a college degree, honestly, sales is a good career. Yeah. Well, selling yourself as someone who is self-employed is something you have to get used to doing all the time. I tend to word it a little bit differently, um, but I tell every, mostly our musician friends um, that when you're self-employed, I usually like to say self-employed. I think it, you know, it's yeah. a little better than entrepreneur. Yeah. But there's baggage there. Right. But it, yeah, agreed. Um, and I also, I tell like our musician friends all the time, I say a band is a business. And the most important thing that I say is that if you're not willing to fight for your money, no one else ever will. No, no. And it's, it's interesting that you say that too, because, uh, of course, being musicians, they don't want to really know about the business side. They're waiting. Most musicians are waiting to just get signed. I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit, too. I, I hate that mentality. I do as well. Yeah. Why do you hate it? Because a band is a business. I think that anyone who starts a band, I, I get it that it's creative. That's why people, you know, it's an outlet. I totally understand but i think it's a lot like you know republican and democrat it's like there's they're viewed as two separate sides which i get that they are but there's no medium people think that you know you're either creative or you're not creative you're a business person or you're not a business person that's just not fucking true no the truth is is that if you want to be successful you have to understand business to a certain extent and if you don't Good fucking luck. You're going to get fucked? Here's what I've seen happen. You either get fucked or you have no success whatsoever. Yeah. And you're just toiling away in the clubs forever without really furthering or advancing yourself. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for anyone's success, but, um, you know, some of our friends that we know, uh, and I'll even mention his name, Dustin McKee, when we lived together... I remember he was working at Amazon and pretty much every night he would come home and he would bitch about how much he hated the job and we would have these late night conversations, you know, we'd smoke weed and just stay up late and there was one night and, you know, I'm, I'm a sympathetic friend, you know, most of the time. I'm, I'm, I try not to be super cutthroat and, you know, in people's face about stuff, but it was like an every night thing he would come home and be like, yeah, man, this sucks, and I got to work this job because I'm trying to save money for this or for that, for the music. I got to save it for the reveal. We're changing our <laughs> band name again. Yes, exactly. And, dude, there was one night, and I remember because there were a couple other people there, and I think people thought that I was, like, trying, like, a couple of the people who were sitting around us thought that I was, like, trying to be unnecessarily mean to him, which I wasn't, and I... I love Dustin, so I know he I love knows. Dustin, too. So he knows that that wasn't my intention, but I literally told him, I said, Dustin, the fact that you're not playing music full-time is your fucking fault. Yeah. And I literally, like, I didn't get in his face about it, but it was the first time that I was like, look, dude, I've heard you bitch about this enough. If you really want to stop working this day job, just do it. You're talented enough. Go out, network, Put yourself out there and do it. And guess what? 
he did. Yeah. And he's doing it. Yeah. And I'm not, like I said, I, that's why I prefaced with, I'm not trying to take credit for that, but I think that sometimes, especially people who are very creative need someone, you know, like you or me to have a moment of clarity to say, Hey man, I get that you're a creative and that you want it. You have all these big ideas. Cause that's the thing about Dustin, man, is he's got so many amazing ideas. He has a vision. Yes. That I hope that he becomes rich enough one day to fulfill all of them, but he has to take step one. Yeah. And step one is the hardest fucking step to take. Absolutely. And it's like that for everybody, everybody. What like, and I think this translates to, to non-music shit too. It's like everybody, I think, has some kind of dream that they want to pursue in this life. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing you can do is figure out what that first step is. Because most of the time, it's pretty unpleasant where you're basically having to drop your dick on the table and be like, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And that's the most difficult part. But once you do that, it gets easier every single time after that. Yeah, most people don't know how to take step one effectively. I see other people try and start businesses or brands, and what I see people do all the time is they do a lot of research, and they obsess over over the details and uh, the specifics of how you're supposed to run a business and the legalities and all the things that don't get me wrong, are important. But they're not the most important. No, not to starting. They're, no. they're not step one. Step one is, I hate to bring it back to dad, but establish and maintain a, cl- a cash flow. Yeah, <laughs> you know 100%. I mean? Well, it, it's like a lot of people when they're starting out with something, they're about to get into a gun battle and they're trying to research what kind of gun it is, where it's made, what kind of bullets they need. It's like, take the safety off, point and shoot. Exactly. Yes. And then the great thing about business is you can figure out, figure out all that shit later, all the details. I'll be honest for the first three years that I was in my carpet cleaning business, I didn't have a fucking clue how to do the taxes. Right. In fact, I'll even admit this cause I'm caught up on my taxes now. No one can come after me, but I didn't even effectively like file business taxes for the first three years I was in business. Like by year three, the the government was like, yeah, you need to pay taxes for the last two years before we even let you continue business and have a license or anything. Like, Fuck. I didn't do it correctly, but that didn't hold me back. That didn't. It sucked at the time because it was like, okay, I've got to pay twelve. I mean, the first couple of years, my business didn't really make shit. Um, so you know, it was maybe like twelve, fifteen hundred dollars that I had to pay in order to keep going, but that didn't stop me. It wasn't the death of Nashville carpet cleaning. Well, it, in a lot of ways, it was probably the rebirth Yeah, because all of a sudden you had this huge problem that you had to resolve. And for me, when I get into that situation, I start picking up the phone and calling people. Exactly. When can I clean your carpets? Right. Yeah. You need a bass player next week. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, I better come up with this money quickly so I can eat. (laughs) Yeah. The the number one person that you don't want to be in a battle with is the IRS. 100%. I actually just, I want to mention this because it was such a great feeling. I did my taxes for 2020 so well that I actually got a, I guess I paid them like $53 too much. And they actually sent me a check back for $53. That is the it, rarest <laughs> thing to, to ever happen. Yeah, I, I have never been so happy for a check that was like $53. I saw it in the mail and I was like, you know, the, the Department of Treasury, what is this? And I opened it up. I thought it was like a late stimulus or something. And sure enough, it was it was money back from from what I had paid at the end of the year of 2020. Um, I had overpaid them by $53. I'm impressed that they gave it back to you. I know, right? I I was kind of like shocked. I was like, fuck, like, just don't audit me, you know? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so when did you start to get involved with uh, Eat Sleep Rock Nashville? It was, uh, let's see, it was right 
after, the, or no, it was actually right before the pandemic. That's what it was. It was like kind of around the time that I graduated. I graduated um, like close to the end of 2019. And then a couple months after that, I started getting involved with Eat Sleep Rock. And then the pandemic hit. Um, so I'll be honest, my, uh, my time with Eat Sleep Rock, like when I first started, it was very slow because I mean, we all know what the pandemic did to the music industry. No gigs. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but I mean, it's been cool. I shifted from the reason I did it was because, uh, you know, I was doing house shows before that, like in college, we would just throw house parties and I was booking bands and I kind of, that's how I met like Josh and Dustin and all those, all those people is just from booking them at parties that I threw at my house and, you know, I couldn't do house shows anymore. And I was kind of growing out of that a little bit. And I just knew that I liked throwing events. And so I got introduced to Tara, the the girl who started Eat Sleep Rock Nashville. And at first I was just uh, supposed to be like the booking person. And I want to say after like six to eight months of that, she approached me with, hey, would you be interested in, you know, either buying the business or something along those lines? And I'll admit at the time, even though I was still a business owner, I was pretty broke. Um, You know, when you're growing a business, people always have this idea of like, you're making so much money. But when you're trying to scale everything and, and grow everything, you're putting so much of it back into the business that it's like, one moment you have a savings account and then the next moment you have no savings yeah. at all. And I've done that several times now, um, back and forth, back and forth to having money, to having no money. It just so happened that was one of the times that I didn't have money. So I countered with her and said, hey, how about we become 50-50 partners? You you know, sign me into the LLC and we run this business together. Because I, I honestly didn't really know much about the music industry. I'm a musician myself, so I had played like some gigs. I had been in, you know, a couple bands here and there. But as far as like running a booking and promotions company, I had no idea how to do any of that. So I didn't really feel comfortable taking it over, um, already having my other business. But yeah, we became 50-50 partners and I've we've just been kind of doing it that way since. And when did you get the idea to start the podcast with Josh and Greg? That was just a couple of months ago. Um, well, it started a couple of months ago when I was living at the castle with uh, with Josh and Greg. I remember at one point someone was talking about how, you know, Josh should start his own podcast. And I remember him saying that when he used to do stuff with Eat Sleep Rock or when he used to get a lot more gigs with them before I was involved, that at one point he had talked to Tara about doing it and somehow it just ended up falling through. And he had talked about how he wanted to start his own podcast, you know, separate from that. But he's just busy with, you know, playing in bands and working at the radio station. And so I remember for most of the time when I was living there, I would get up in the morning and we would just, you know, smoke like right when we would get up. Shoot the and, shit. Yeah, and we would just shoot the shit. Yeah. And uh, and I remember I said to him one time, I was like, I was like, man, if you had someone who was like, you know, just here to kind of like help you with ideas and, you know, produce it for you. Like, would you want to do the podcast? And I remember I specifically like, cause I, I didn't want to push too much because, you know, I know Josh is capable of, and Greg, I, be, I believe that both of them are do are capable of doing their own thing. So when I approached, I, I'll admit I approached Josh about it first cause he was the one who had mentioned wanting to do it in the past but I was kind of careful with how I presented it because I didn't want to come off as if I was like, you know, trying to run it basically. Cause musicians can get <clears throat> spooked real easy. Exactly. And so I was like, Hey, if you just had someone to bounce ideas off of and kind of let you do your thing, but 
you know, I would help you with the nitty gritty stuff and, you know, run the program and help you edit and basically just kind of help, you know, produce basically, um, would this be something you'd be interested in? And he said, yes. And then, you know, Greg would be out there oftentimes when we'd be kind of like just brainstorming about it. And we kind of all agreed that three people was better than two. And I'll be honest, I never really had an interest in being like a personality. And I think that, I think Josh is good and I think he's capable of it. But I think especially earlier on, it's better to have someone you can banter with and um, two voices are better than one yep. in that sense. Not that you don't do a great job, but I'm just saying that for us, I think it made no, more sense for sure. you know, to have Absolutely. two people. And so it just felt very natural to, ha- to bring Greg in and then me kind of just take the producer seat. Because like I said, I would do it and you know, I'm here right now on your podcast, but I don't really have any interest nor the time to be a personality and yeah. dedicate what it takes to do that. Yeah. It's, it's a big responsibility, um, doing, doing something like that, you know, and, t- and taking on that role where you're like the guy. Exactly. Cause I've, I, for myself, I've gone through phases where it's been just me and I've had someone editing the podcast. I've had a side mic producer. So, so he was also editing the show and now it's back to being just me again. Um, and there's there's a million different ways you can you can do it. I think the the art and the beauty of podcasting is that it's it's like the new rock and roll in a lot of ways. Yes, I totally agree. I love podcasts. I do too. I'm a, I'm an absolute junkie when it comes to it. And the main reason I wanted to start a podcast it was similar in the the way with music, where I was such a big music fan that I wanted to start playing music. So, like, I was such a big podcast fan that I wanted to start a podcast, and I wanted to have on musicians and talk to them. Um, Because there's, like, very few podcasts that are talking about, well, at the time especially, that are, like, ground level with musicians who are still hucking it out in the clubs. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It's, like, if if there's a a musician on a podcast and they've already crossed over. Yeah, that's true. I can't actually think of any, I mean, I'm sure there are, I just don't know of any other ones that are, you know, kind of ground level with the musicians who are still trying to make it. Yeah. Well, besides us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a gift to do because it's like all the people that are here in Nashville, I've really gotten to know them because I'm doing this. Um, like Gabby and Isaac from the weird sisters or Josh and Dustin from the reveal. Um, like it, it, it made a soft landing spot for me up front with talking to people. Yeah. Because I had something that was of value right fucking away, you know, um, for the, the mere fact that, uh, I could come on and talk about their music and, and that's what I wanted to do. Like at the end of the day, it's because I fucking love music and I love talking to artists and creative people. But it's, uh, I've learned so much about myself um, being able to do this um, in ways that I I probably wouldn't have unless I did. Because like for myself, I I have a lot of trouble normally sharing um, what it is I'm thinking and feeling uh, like off mic, but if you put a microphone in front of me, I feel like I can I can say it way better. And that that's that's an sh- art <laughs> shit I have to deal with as a human being. You sure, know, uh, sure. yeah, because uh, it, it makes me not the best to be in like a relationship with or any of that shit. But I don't know. It, it's 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 a gift to be able to to do this and to be able to talk to people, be able to talk to someone like you. Um, you're someone that I, I admire and respect greatly. You know, we, we've kind of Thank always you. been on like this fringe circle from each other, like over the years where we would pass each other. And then recently we've been around each other a lot more. Um, and I just admire and respect your, your fucking mentality, dude. I mean, you have one, I think that is second to none. Thanks. It's, man. it's rare in this town. And that's not to disparage anybody else or put anybody else down, but you have this ability to self-reflect 
and also take chances to move yourself forward. You're, you're not afraid of failure and you're also not afraid of success. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I admire what you're doing too. Thanks, man. Um, I, I definitely agree with what you said. It, it was kind of funny because I, I was thinking about that the other day too, is we've been, you know, kind of, we've known a lot of the same people, but it hasn't been until like the last couple of months that we've really, you know, hung out yeah. or really talked much beyond like a group setting. Yeah. And it, it's cool to get to know you because I'm, I'm learning stuff every time we hang out. Yeah, I feel like I'm really learning stuff too. Um, And I think that's what the beauty is of being kind of like that creative type though, of uh, just being around other people, other people in town. Because so much of what we're doing here is like we're all trying to be musicians, whatever it is. And uh, I felt for a long time that I was a little bit on the outskirts just being a bass player and then also being the person on microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's not a typical situation and I've learned over time, like how to balance those two things. I'm like, well, this is what I do. This is who I am. Yeah, no, you definitely got to own it. I can totally relate to that doing booking and promotions. Cause a lot of times, you know, a lot of times those people in this town, especially are looked as the evil people, you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, 100%. People, I, I can't tell you how many times I get online and you know, someone will just be bad mouthing a, a promoter or something like that. And I'm just like, fuck, I hope people don't see me that way. But kind of bringing it back to what I said earlier is um, whether it's carpet cleaning or, you know, booking and promoting or, you know, whatever business it is or or endeavor that I'm involved with, I try and uh, keep the principles uh, the same. I'm very much a man of principle. And, um, you know, I, of course, have to take life situation to situation, But I think ultimately, if you have a good set of principles that you kind of abide by, then, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's going to make sense and people are going to respect and see what you're doing is um, wholehearted. What are those principles for you that you try and abide by? Uh, Well, the main ones are, you know, just being honest and sometimes, unfortunately, being honest can be a little bit hurtful, but I, I try and pride myself on not bullshitting people to be completely honest with you is that I, if I don't like something, I'm not going to beat around the bush and I'm not going to, you know, go along and pretend that it's not an issue. And then one of the biggest things that I've seen in this town, I mean, probably everywhere is people make the mistake of just not saying things to people's faces. They'll, They'll smile in front of your face and then they'll go and talk to everyone else about what they don't like about what you do. I try and not do that. If I have a problem with you, I'm going to tell you. Um, Sometimes it hurts. I'm going to be nice about it. I will admit I used to have a problem with being a little too brutally honest with people. I've had to work on that over the the years. Yep. Because, you know, no one wants someone who's just going to be unnecessarily mean. So I've worked on not coming off as unnecessarily mean. And I, I think I've done a good job of that having to, you know, you know, manage a business and run a business because sometimes I have to tell customers things that they don't want to hear, but I have to tell them, yeah. you know, um, same with employees. Sometimes, you know, things don't exactly go as planned and the plans get changed in the moment. And, um, and not every employee likes that all the time. But it doesn't change the situation nonetheless. So, um, so honesty is one of the big things. And uh, the other thing, I mean, there's, there's several. But another thing is, um, you know, keeping to your word. If I say that I'm going to do something, um, well, and I actually want to, you know, edit, adjust that a little bit. Keeping to your word, and if you can't, communicating effectively. Because there's so many people that will just not communicate with you. They'll just they, disappear because they're embarrassed, ashamed that they can't deliver on whatever it is. Exactly. I would rather someone call me up or just say, hey, the plan's changed or hey, I'm having a bad day. 
my power was out the last couple days until last night, actually. And I had some things that I had promised some people that I was going to do over the weekend. And some of those people hit me up and were like, hey, are we still doing this? One of one in particular, I had to just text him and I was like, hey, man, my power was out. I had to move all the shit in my fridge. I had to go pick up a generator. I've been dealing with this all weekend. I just re- I'm just really not in the mood today. Yeah. I'll still do it. I told him, I was like, we'll do it this week, but it's just really not in me today. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And to me, that right there is a principle that I try and live by day to day, even when it's something simple um, or when it's something large, like something big to come, like some, something that someone promises that is, you know, massive that they said that they're going to come through. It doesn't matter whether it's small or large. Um, I think people should, you know, stick to their word or communicate otherwise. Well, when you stick to your word for those big things, it makes it much easier to stick to the the word to the small things and vice versa. Absolutely. Because if you give your chance a self to slip, yourself to slip on something small, it becomes easier to have those excuses for the bigger, scarier, more intimidating things. I agree. So, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, there's other principles. I, I can't really, they kind of come to me more in situations because when someone does something that I'm really unhappy with, I think to myself, why? Because this is what I find myself, the situations I find myself being in a lot is I will be direct with someone and I will say, you did this and I didn't like this. You shouldn't have done that. And they'll say something to the effect of, well, it was just this. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I'll say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you think, and they'll be like, well, did it really put you out that much? People will ask me that. They'll be like, well, was, was it that? And I won't mention a name, but here's an example. The other day, someone asked for a ride and I, I didn't ask them for money up front. They said, can I Venmo you for a ride? Now this was... Do I know this person? You do. This was rush hour traffic. Now granted, they needed a ride to work. So I was willing to do it. This was rush hour traffic and I actually had night work that night as well. Um, So it wasn't like I was just completely free, but they asked me for a ride and they specifically said, like I said, if they just wanted a ride, then that's fine. I would have given them the ride. But they said, can I Venmo you for a ride? I said, sure, absolutely. And I appreciate the gas money. For sure. I think we're past the times of giving people free rides, to, give, to be completely honest with you. And also, I'll go on the record saying $5 is not enough for gas money. No. We live in 20... It's about to be 2022. If you're not willing to give someone at least $10... Five, let me put it this way. Five for the tank, five for the time. Yeah. Minimum, minimum. And that's like if it's down the street. I asked Josh for a ride like a couple weeks ago, and I, I think I gave him like $15, and it wasn't even that far. But it's, it was also in the rain, and you know it was last minute. But, but, that's but you me. accounted for those things. I did account for those things because $5, what is $5 to drive someone across town? But anyway, she... Uh, Sorry, this person, <laughs> I don't, don't want to call anyone out in particular. This person said that they wanted a ride, that they would Venmo me for the ride. I was fine with it. I'm also not the type of person who's going to hound someone for money. That's another principle of mine is that if you say you're going to pay someone or if you know if you offer someone money, you should just give them the money. They shouldn't have to come back to you later and ask you for it, and I won't. I won't ask you for the money. If you say you're going to pay me for something that's not an act, that's not transactional. If it's like a favor and you're like, "Oh, hey, I'll throw you a couple bucks for this." I'm not going to hit you up for that couple bucks. But noted. That's but what I always think. Noted. Exactly. And so, in this situation, they asked for the ride. I gave them the ride. It was an hour round trip. Never got a Venmo. Never. Was never brought up again. To me, that violated a principle that I hold very dear to me, and that's the fact that they said, will you give me a ride for me to Venmo you? They didn't hold up their end of the deal. Yeah. It's not the money. 
I don't care. I don't, yeah. I don't need the amount of money that they were going to send me. I really don't. I don't care about the 5 the 10 the 15 the $20. It's not about that. And I guarantee you if I brought it up to that person, they would probably say something to that effect. They would say, they would be like, well, is that amount of money that big of a deal? No, it's not. But it's the principle. I 100% agree. I feel like a lot of the conflicts I've gotten to in my life has been over stuff like this. Yeah. Where I don't give right. a fuck about the money. I will burn the money right in front of you. <laughs> exactly. Joker style. You know exactly. what I mean? I don't give a fuck. But holding someone accountable for what, they, what they've promised or what they've said it drives me fucking nuts. Right. Like I try and be on my shit same way as you. And I try and communicate. If, if I can't perform the task that was asked of me or that I had some kind of exchange with, with someone, um, shit that lives with me, dude. Absolutely. Like if I know I, I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, I never want to walk into a situation like playing with the weird sisters. I, I did a run of shows with them. Yeah. It was fantastic. That's I awesome. understood what their expectations were and they knew from knowing me, I like the standard that I hold myself to. And it, it went well. It went well, I think. But um, they called me because they knew I was going to be on my shit. And it was going to bother me if I wasn't. Yeah. And you're reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Reliability is key, for sure. I would rather have someone who is reliable, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if they're the best or not. I completely agree. I, I, actually, I agree with that so much that I would hire people who are unqualified to work for me and, you know, clean carpets that are reliable, that will show up on time and do what they say they're going to do over people who know what they're doing and are not reliable. Because most people are trainable. I won't say anyone's trainable because if you have a bad enough attitude, then you might not be trainable. I've run into that. That was a, a big lesson that I've had to learn is someone saying, yes, I want to do this, and then not following through on it, and me continually getting mad and trying to hold them to the standard of which they said they wanted to be held to, but it wasn't the case. Right. Yeah, it's not worth it. You shouldn't waste your time with people like that. Yeah. Not to say that they don't have something for them, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I I hate to, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss anybody because people have their own struggles, and there's people that there's things people are dealing with that we don't know about. However, that goes back to the communication principle yes. that we talked about is if someone were to come to me that works for me and say, you know, hey, I really can't do this today because, you know, such and such is going on in my life. I would say, okay, absolutely. I'm sorry to hear that you're dealing with that. Get your head right. Let me know when you're ready to continue. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not cutthroat in that matter of speaking where it's like people are allowed to have bad days. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm a true believer of that because there's a lot of shit going on in the world. We all know? have them too. It's, yeah. it's unavoidable. Adversity is unavoidable. Um, for me, a big thing that I really had to learn, it sounds like you have a lot of empathy. That was something that I had to learn. It was not a skill that I naturally had to be able to listen to someone complain or uh, complains the wrong word. Um, listen to someone kind of express themselves in that way over something negative happening in their life. Um, and I, I'm not just entirely a fucking ball buster when it comes to that, but I had to learn to be sensitive to the, the person it is that, that I'm talking to. Yeah. I was not good at that. Cause I would, hold everybody to the same psycho standard that I have to myself that that's unrealistic for me to even have for myself sometimes a lot of uh entrepreneurs are like that yeah <laughs> I'll be honest with you I I it was something I had to learn too I like I said earlier I used to kind of be um unnecessarily ruthless and blunt with people and I remember specifically one time uh like there was someone who last minute called off and, and they were just a part-time worker for me and I didn't even know them very well. They hadn't been working for me very long and it, they waited till like 10 o'clock the night before to say that they couldn't make it and it was because they got another opportunity. So I felt totally betrayed and 
I said something to the effect of, you will never work for me. I, I pretty much was like, you, cool. You'll never work for me. I, 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 yes, I burned the bridge. Yeah. And I remember one of my other employees, because they were, they were friends or something like that, um, and I remember them saying to me, like, you didn't have to, like, you didn't have to take it personally. And I was like, was that me taking it personally? And he, and he looked at me and he was like, yes, you took it personally. And I was like, I think at the time I argued with him. I yeah. was, I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, that's just business or something like that. Yeah. But the truth is, is I did take it personally because I take my business. I mean, I try not to, you know, bring my emotions to the table when conduct, conducting business, but I care about my business. You know, Absolutely. I want it to succeed. Of course, you know, I have an emotional stake in it, but that doesn't mean that every single thing that happens is a personal attack. And that was something that I had to learn. It can feel that way. It totally feels that way a lot. Yes. Especially with customers who get shitty with you sometimes. Yeah. And I've had to learn to be very calm and collected. And I've learned that it, um, it, you go a lot further by keeping cool in those situations because sometimes, and not to be spiteful, but sometimes by being cool, you'll actually cause the other person to express more of their emotions. And from a business tactical sense, you know, you kind of gain the higher ground. But also on the conversation of empathy, um, when it comes to just relating to people and human relationships, you know, it's just better because you just don't, you're not like a fucking business robot. <laughs> That's just like, you know, yes. work for me. <laughs> yeah, I think for myself, I wanted to be for a long time, a business robot and everything that I'm doing where it's like, I wake up at the exact same time. I do yeah. this at the exact same time. I eat this exact same meal at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I had this unrealistic fantasy because things change day to day and it is good to have a routine. It is important to have a routine. It is important to not let that routine get dis- get disrupted with like outside bullshit, but sometimes you can't avoid it. Yeah, totally. So much of my day-to-day is damage control. That's what I've learned is like my business has gotten bigger is that if, because I'm very much the same way as I used to, you know, try and plan to the moon pretty much and just make it to where everything, what, there was a plan for everything. But the truth is, is when you are self-employed, you can't plan for or account for everything there are things that are just going to happen sometimes. And I've learned over the years. Now, this in itself takes a certain amount of discipline because I meet people all the time who are like, what's your schedule? And I'm like, eh, I don't really have a schedule. You know, it's whatever I want it to be pretty much. But Which is hard to manage as well. It is. No, and that's why I'm saying I meet people all the time who say that they, they couldn't do it. But I've had to learn that, you know, I have my things, like usually what my day looks like is I have key tasks that I know I want to get done, but then there's space in between for things that, you know, if this happens and I have to go shift gears, then I do. Yeah. And um, that's very much a big part of running a business is being fluid and being able to kind of um, mold with the waves that are thrown at you. Where can people find you at? How can they find like your social media and all that shit? Uh, so I'm Danny Shaw Rometto on Facebook, shooting the shit on Instagram. I haven't done a lot on there, but you can find me. And then my websites, Eat Sleep Rock is uh, esrnashville.com. And then if you want your carpets cleaned, it's uh, nashvillecarpetcleaningtn.com. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Taylor. It was so fun. Appreciate it.